Jesus, thank you so much, God, that you are our foundation, our refuge, God. Thank you, you're our shield, and even in the middle of all the storms, we can run to you, and you're there for us. And God, be here for us this morning as we get into your word, as we tackle this hard subject, Lord. I pray your spirit would speak, that you would give us understanding, and just increase our faith this morning, God, so that we can trust in you more. Thank you, Jesus. Bless our time now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Some years back, uh, there was this article uh, from England, and it talked about how this British paintball company posted a job opening. And surprisingly, they were like shocked at the number of applicants that had applied. There was 10,000 applications, isn't that crazy, that they received immediately after they advertised. The company, get this, was looking for a bullet tester with this qualification of having, I quote, a relatively high pain threshold. (laughs) I guess so, right? The position, it pays about $61,000 a year, pretty good. And the person's job is to be, I quote, shot at with every new batch of paint bullets to ensure that all health and safety checks are in place before we can use them on the general public and paying customers. Isn't that crazy? You, you literally, literally, you get shot for a living. That, that's what it is. Well, I would think most people would not want to endure suffering and pain for their job. I mean, for me, I have enough of that already in life, right? But hey, you might as well get paid for it. So, you know, anyway, I thought that was pretty interesting. But we understand, right? It's a, it's a fact of life, right? That in this world we live in, there's suffering and pain. We all experience that. We're maybe going through something right now. Our our island, our community is going through a lot of suffering and pain from the loss of life, which is very painful, the homes, jobs, all that has happened uh, in Lahaina and even up country here. We know folks have lost their homes from the fire. But in that fact that we all go through suffering and pain, there is the fact that we have hope, and that's hope in God. Helen Keller once said this, Although the world is full of suffering, it is full also with overcoming of it. I love that. So there's hope, and we know in God there is great hope. And so this is what our series is about, helping us in these things, helping us in this time. As I mentioned Perhaps you're going through something. Perhaps you've been affected by the fires and loss of life. Perhaps uh, it's something else going on in your life. But perhaps you need answers or I believe God wants to equip us even to have answers for those we know who have lost so much. So we're in this series and we covered two already of four questions. We covered why did God allow this disaster? And last week, we covered why did bad things happen to good people. Now, I'm not going to go over all of it. I, I, I have enough already today. But if you missed it, you know, go back to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or go back to our YouTube channel, our services, our archive there, and even on Facebook, too. Well, so our next question is, and remember our series title is this, When Tragedy Strikes a Fallen World, And we're part three now. So our next question we're tackling is this. Why is there so much suffering and pain? Why is there so much suffering and pain? And I'm going to give you basically two answers to that. But in between, uh, it prompted another question in my mind. And we're going to answer that one too. So let's begin here. And you can turn to Genesis 1. Actually, we're going to be... Uh, in that area, Genesis 1 and 3 and chapter 2. So if you want to open your Bibles there to Genesis 1. So our question again, when tragedy strikes a fallen world, we tend to ask, why is there so much suffering and pain? 
Well, let me give you the answer to that. The first answer is this. Because we live in a fallen world. Because we live in a fallen world. That's really the source. And we've talked about that, haven't we, in the past two weeks in our other questions. That it's not God. God is good. Yeah. James tells us in James 1, he's good. His gifts are are good and perfect. He's the father of lights, right? So God isn't the source of all this. Really, it's that we live in this fallen world. We covered that. A few weeks ago, I, we talked about and looked at Romans 8.22, how all creation is groaning under this fallenness. It, it can't wait for Christ to come and restore the world and all. And it's groaning for that. So what happened? Well, we mentioned, too, in the past few weeks, that sin entered the world. Sin cursed the world. Sin ruined, really, a perfect paradise that God originally made. And so now we live under this world which contains suffering and pain. So I want you to see, see this for a moment. Look at, uh, we'll start here in Genesis chapter 1. And look at the very last verse, verse 31. We see at the end of creation, God made everything in six days. At the end of creation, also uh, included human beings. And then in verse 31, it says here in Genesis 1, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Not just good, but once he made the humans, it was like very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So, We see originally God made everything good, very good, right? No curse world, no sin, nothing, no suffering and pain. So it was very good. But then what happened? Well, the fall happened. We know Adam and Eve, right? They partook of the fruit. Sin entered the world. Sin entered our, our, our race, in, in a sense. So every one of us are born with that sin, nature, and all. So that perfect world, that perfect paradise, it, it, it fell. That's that fallen world. So if you look over in Genesis chapter 3, we, we see this indication of it here. Genesis chapter 3, look at verse 16. Verse 16. Now, to the woman, he said, that's the Lord, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he will rule over you. So, um, in part of this fallenness, and we would say, uh, we term it a lot of times a curse that came upon the world because of sin, was that there's pain in childbearing and labor, and also uh, the, the woman would fight for uh, rule or leadership in the home with the husband, and those tendencies, those things would be happening. But you notice, I'm focusing on pain. Pain is now brought into this world, and it's brought into in this way of childbearing. But it really speaks of a lot of pain that's coming into this fallen world. Next, in verse 17, it says, And to Adam, he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, which Adam really should have said, Hey, no, don't eat that. And Adam shouldn't have partaken of it. So, The Lord says here in verse 17, Cursed is the ground because of you. And then look in the ESV. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground for out of it you're taken. For you are dust and to dust you shall return. So we we find that With Adam, there's pain also. There's suffering. He has to work real hard uh, for his provision. By the sweat, he's got to toil. Uh, The ground, paradise, no more this perfect yard, yeah? Now there's weeds. Sometimes I'm weeding my grass. I go, Adam, it's because of you, right? You know, but, but but that's the curse of the world. That's that part we're talking about, disasters, that the Things that, uh, that happen, you know, in, in the laws of nature, so to speak, it's not perfect anymore. And these things come up, hurricanes, earthquakes, those disasters come up. So here we see there's pain and suffering in life 
basically, for the men and the women. And the last thing we see in verse 19 talks about what? Death, right? Sin, the consequences of sin is death, and eventually Adam and Eve died. In God's mercy and grace, they didn't die right away. But as we all do, we will face death and die one day. So that's all part of this fallen world. So understand, in the beginning, originally, God never intended, right, for pain and suffering to be there. He made everything good. But now with the world cursed in this sin, affected by sin, we live in this fallen world. So I hope that makes it even more clear of what we've, we've mentioned this in the past two weeks. So I hope it makes it even more clear. And as I said before, God is not the source, right, of these disasters. God is not the source of the bad things we talked about last week. And today, God is not the source of suffering and pain. Sin brought that suffering and pain into the world. It was sin, the result of sin, that brought suffering and pain so we live in a fallen world and because of that we every one of us experience that suffering and pain maybe think about it this way we are fallen beings because we're not perfect ourselves, right living in this fallen world with other fallen people right because i would think about that because you know what, we, yeah, we make our choices and there's consequences to that choices and they bring suffering and pain. Uh, yeah, we live in a fallen world where things are happening, not good, you know, bad things. And we live with other fallen beings where their choices and the consequences of their choices affect us too. So I think what we see today and from our studies in the Bible that yeah, we're fallen beings living in a fallen world with other fallen beings. And so watch your perspective when, we, when suffering and pain comes in your life. Just, just remember that. Just kind of keep that in mind. Don't blame God. He is not the source of it. Don't get bitter. But you know what? Just understanding for me personally, it helps me to accept that this is where we live. This is what it's about. This is what happens to every one of us. And remember last time we even talked about even Christians, yeah? Even people who live a godly life. We all are affected in this fallen world with suffering and pain. Okay, so why is there so much suffering and pain? Well, the first answer is, you know what, because we live in a fallen world. And I, I hope that that's been cemented in to you now but before we get to the second answer i think this thought from here okay we live in fallen world this generates another question and this kind of connects to to our past weeks too because we believe in what a sovereign god we believe in all in an all-powerful god so okay we're living a fallen world okay we see that's why it's going on but I think this generates another question. The question is this. Why doesn't God stop the results of suffering and pain in a fallen world? Right? I mean, all right, we accept fallen world. But we know God. We know our Lord. We know he created everything. We know he's all powerful. And we know it's not like God's like, well, I'm not strong enough to stop, you know, suffering and pain in this. No. I mean... Most of us, even people who don't believe in Jesus Christ, in a basic sense, we, we believe in this all-powerful God. Why, God, why can't you stop? Yeah, and, and so that kind of tweaks our brain in this. And so why doesn't God stop the results of suffering and pain in a fallen world? Well, look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. We see here, that the, the Lord God says, uh, the Lord God took the man and put him in a garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded that 
commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you shall eat of it, uh, you shall surely die. All right, so God puts in paradise all these beautiful plants, and, but there's one tree they are not to eat of, and that's what Satan did in common tempty Satan, and that kind of started the whole thing. So, for me, I know this, and sometimes my mind just goes on, you know, this line of thinking. And, and follow me here. So, why doesn't God stop the results of suffering and pain in the world? Well, okay, wait. We know it came from this fallen world. We know it came from sin. And, and so, God, I know you could just remove the pain I know that, well, you're allowing this suffering to exist here. But what if it, it didn't even exist? I mean, have you ever thought of it this way? If only Adam and Eve never ate of the fruit, right? Then there would be no sin. No weeds for me to pull. Um, there'll be no curse. There'll be no pain, no suffering. If only they didn't eat that. I mean, God, why, why didn't you stop Eve, right? She's looking at the fruit. No, 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 tell her no, right? She desired to eat it. And then she took up the fruit. And maybe right before she's going to eat it. And by the way, we don't know it's an apple. I know uh, the world says it was an apple. But we don't, it doesn't say in the Bible what kind of fruit. Could have been a watermelon. No, I don't know what it was. Yeah, um, Maybe it was a banana. I don't know, papaya, who knows? But that fruit, what, why, you ever thought this? I did. God, she's taking the fruit. She's about to eat it. Why couldn't you just stop? Spoken from heaven. We wouldn't have sin. We wouldn't have suffering and pain in the world. God, why didn't you do that? Why didn't you intervene right at that moment? Or, or better yet, why didn't you stop the serpent, right? Satan slithering up, talking to Eve, having this conversation. Did God really say that? If you eat this and sin, that, nah, you know, changing God's word. Changing what he said. What if God just stopped the snake right then from slithering up? Well, he wasn't slithering, right? He still had legs at that time. Coming up to Eve, why didn't he just go, no, Satan, bzz, you know, lightning comes out, bzz, and he's gone in toast. Why didn't he just stop the serpent and destroy them when he showed up? Or even more better, we know that Satan, right, is a created angel. Isaiah 14, Ezekiel tells us that he got, Isaiah 14, he got proud. He wanted to be like God. He wanted everyone to worship him, right? And that's his downfall. He, he, that was his, 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 his sin. That's how he was cast out of heaven. So why didn't God just stop in there? What? I can't believe you. What? You know, I created you. Poof, you don't exist. Why? Why did, even, why did God even create Satan? So when we start talking about, God, why didn't you stop? Why, why can't you stop pain and suffering? Why, why, did, why is it even existing, right? Why, it, it brings us down really to this thought of evil. God if, God, if you're a loving God, you wouldn't allow this suffering and pain. If you're a loving God, you, you, why would you even have evil going on and wickedness that affects us so much so why it brings us to this question why does god allow sin and evil that results in this suffering and pain in this world you know what the answer is the answer is god created us with a free will the ability to make a choice to choose to do good or evil that's the answer if god say didn't have Satan or sin, then we would only really have one choice. That's why this is important to see here in Genesis chapter 2. 
that God, he, he made everything in that paradise, in that garden. But there was that one tree that they were not to eat. And what did that do? That gave them a choice, yeah? To choose to obey or not to obey. To do good or to sin. That gave them a choice because he made each one of us with a free will, with the ability to choose. Because without that ability, without a choice, what would we be? We would be just robots. We would, that's all we would be. I remember when one of our boys was, uh, was probably about seven years old, and I was driving him to school, and in the back in his car seat, he, he, or his booster, he asked me, Dad, if God is good, and if God made everything, why did he make Satan? Why, why is there evil? Well, and I was like, oh, this is a smart kid, you know, at that age, asking this deep question. I'm like, okay, God, how do you explain this to a seven-year-old, right? I mean, and so I said, well, you, you mean, why, why, why did he create something that is so bad in our lives, right? I mean, he could have just get rid of Satan. And so after a really quick prayer, Lord, help me, help me here. God, the Holy Spirit just put into mind this, um, back then they had these Furby dolls. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, this little mechanical doll. You could, it'll talk to you. You could talk to it, hear you, and it'll respond. And it was just this little furry little thing. Yeah, and someone had given the, the boys this, this little toy doll thing. And so that popped in my mind. So I asked Justin, I said, um, hey, let me ask you, is Furby real? He goes, no. Well, th- does, does Furby really love you? He goes, no. And, and I was like, right. I mean, it'll talk to you. You could talk to it, and it'll respond, and it learns from your responses and listens. And, but Furby's not real. It's like a little computer. It's programmed. It's a robot pre-programmed to respond. And it may say, I love you, but it, it, it doesn't, not really. And so understand that that's why there's evil in the world. That's why there's Satan. That's why in this fallen world, even suffering and pain, it presents us with choices, a choice uh, or something to choose. So understand that we have to have evil. We, there has to be sin in the world because it gives you and I the choice to choose. Like in, in a basic sense, we're given the choice to choose good or evil, right? We're given the, 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 the opportunity to show love to God or not love to God. In a basic sense, we are given opportunities with evil and good to obey or disobey or even in our suffering to show our faith in God. Will we choose to have faith? So in times of suffering and pain, in this sense, will you choose to hang on to God even though everything just is so bad and you feel like, God, what's going on? I don't understand. What are you doing? Will you even choose to call on God to go to Him? Will you choose to trust God and what you know about Him, even though it seems not to match what's going on in your life? So that's why God doesn't stop the results of suffering and pain in a fallen world. God created us with a free will, an ability to make a choice. And so in that, that opportunity, that's why we have good, bad, suffering, and pain. But let your faith take note of this, though. One day after the tribulation, one day after the millennium, one day, at that or the day after that, God is going to take Everything we know, crumple it up like paper, is it going to burn 
And then God's going to create a new heaven and earth. And in that world, no more pain, no more suffering. Revelation 21, 4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. So there is a day coming with that kind of world. But for now, yes, we have suffering and pain. Why is there so much suffering and pain? Because we live in a fallen world. Well, that makes me think, why doesn't God just stop that suffering and pain? Why can't he uh, snap his fingers in that way? Well, because without evil, without Satan, without suffering or pain, we wouldn't have a choice to show our faith, to show our trust. We would just be robots. All right. So why is there so much suffering and pain? Let's go to the second answer. And this is deep too. Uh, The second answer is this. Because in it, God works his purpose. Because in it, God works his purpose. We've seen that already, haven't we, in the past few weeks? A couple weeks ago, Romans 8, 28, right? And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purposes. Last week, we, 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 and toward the end of the message, we, we talked about Joseph, right? When Joseph told his brothers in Genesis 50, 20, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. So everything that Joseph went to, there was a purpose in it to bring him to this place where he'd be second in command of all of Egypt next to Pharaoh and that he would be able to save his family or really this nation of Israel. So we understand God works his purposes in times of disaster. God works his purposes even in the bad things. And even here, same, same principle. God works his purpose in times of suffering and pain. So what is that purpose? Now, I, I, I put out some things in the past few weeks about making that choice to trust God, about uh, uh, having faith and um, and understanding that God can turn bad uh, to good. But today, I want to give you a list of some specific things as we're talking about suffering and pain, how God uses suffering and pain to accomplish his purpose. And we're going to quickly go over seven things. I know you're saying, yeah, right. No, but I'm going to try. So seven things here. So God uses suffering and pain to accomplish his purpose. And what are some of that? Well, here's number one. God uses it to get your attention. God uses it to get your attention. If if, if you like, I'm just going to refer to this, but um, you can turn to Jonah. And uh, you remember the story of Jonah, right? Uh, he, God called them to go preach to the Ninevites. He didn't want to because he didn't like them. And so he took a boat to go all the way to the opposite direction where Nineveh was. But when he got on the boat, what happened? Well, the boat got in a storm. Uh, they found out it was because of Jonah rebelling against God, threw him overboard, and what? A big fish, probably a whale, uh, ate Jonah, and he was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Well, what happened? Well, in Jonah 2, it says, Then Jonah prayed to his Lord God. God got his attention, right? Uh, he cried out. He, he's uh, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. I cried, and you heard my voice. So here's Jonah. He, God got his attention, and now he's going to God. That's what suffering and pain, God uses it to get your attention. King Hezekiah, he got sick and he called out to the Lord and Isaiah the prophet came. How about the Philippian jailer? You remember what happened? Paul and Silas were were in prison for sharing Jesus and and then there was a big earthquake. And in that earthquake, that fear, the jailer ended up, when he experienced that earthquake, Right? Coming to Paul and Paul witness and he received the Lord. Now take note, God does use like 
suffering and pain to bring judgment. That happens. Uh, We know that God will use suffering and pain to discipline us, to bring spiritual discipline, to, to help us to stop sin. It's all getting our attention, though. It's all a wake-up call. So God uses it to get your attention. C.S. Lewis said this, God whispers to us in our pleasures. God speaks to us in our conscience. But he shouts in our pains. Pain is his megaphone to arouse a deaf world. And sometimes we're pretty deaf, hard head. And so God will use pain and suffering to get your attention. All right, number two, God uses it to test your faith, to test your faith. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. Go into the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 1. So God uses pain and suffering to really test our faith. Here in in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, he says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the test, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, so Peter's talking about how we're tested by, he writes, our various trials, our many colored trials, all types of trials and tribulations and troubles that come. So a lot of times that's suffering and pain. And many of those trials bring those things on. Well, what is it? Well, he's saying, look, don't worry about that. Don't worry about what's going on, the suffering and pain, like you're wondering what's going on. No, understand your, your, your faith is being tested of how genuine it is. It's tested like gold is tested in the fire. How gold will withstand a lot of heat. And it, it, we know it's gold because it won't melt because it can withstand that heat. And it, it's purified in that time. And it, it's shown to be indestructible. So that's the idea. So God uses pain and suffering to test your faith. So understand as we go through this, in times of suffering, it's not purposeless. There is a purpose to it. To get your attention. And here we see to, to test your faith. And you know what that tells me? It, it, it speaks to me about, okay, if it's testing my faith, how do I respond to those times of suffering and pain? To those trials and trouble? How, how am I responding? And you know what? My mind goes to Job, right? The story of Job. God allows Satan to bring him great suffering. The loss uh, loss of his home, his family, even his health. How did Job respond? Well, we know in Job 121, he said, The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He still hung on to God. God, no matter what, I'm still believing in you. No matter what, God, you are my Lord. No matter what, God, I'm yours. I'm going to trust you. Now, that, the way Job responded, is in contrast to his wife. Do you remember his wife? What did his wife say? Curse God and die, Job. Curse him. God's doing this. Well, how how can you even want to stick with him anymore? Just curse God and die. Do you see the separate response? I was, I was reading them. Someone said, Job's faith was not a commercial faith. I thought, whoa, what's that? So I kept reading. You know what they're explaining was Job's faith wasn't based on what God gives him. Yeah? God, I'll do my sacrifices. God, I'll do my ritual, and then you better bless me. But if you don't bless me, forget it. Yeah, it's like going to the store and, oh, I want this. I'll give you money. Give it to me. Job's faith wasn't that commercial faith. He followed God when he was blessed and he still followed God even when his life wasn't blessed. I like that. So the times of suffering and pain, they test our faith. They show where we're at. What has your response been lately? So through suffering and pain, God works his purposes and God uses it to get your attention, to test your faith. Number three, God uses it to grow your faith. 
to grow your faith. Turn to James. Turn to the left to James chapter 1. God uses it to grow your faith. It says here in verse 2 through um, where are we? 4. It says, Count it all joy, James 1, my brothers, when you meet ver- trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Steadfastness is another word for endurance. The old King James is patience. And, and so going through trials, going through the trouble, it grows your faith that you will endure times of suffering and pain. And he says here that in verse 4, and let steadfastness have its full effect. That means let it fully develop so that your faith will be perfect and complete. Lacking nothing. That's what suffering and pain does. It grows our faith. What we go through, every single thing, what we go through, God has his purpose in it. Randy Alcorn, uh, he wrote this book called If God is Good, um, Why? Anyway, he said this, The faith that can't be shaken is the faith that has been shaken. Isn't that good? That's the only way for us to grow, is to, grow through, to go through these times. You know, I wish I could just take a class, right? Class on endurance, class on steadfastness, class on, oh, perfecting my faith. Oh, you do this and do this, and then study, take the test, and oh, I got my degree, I'm good. No, but God, you know what? He puts us through the school of suffering. That's his school. It's not just some class with information, but he puts us through these experiences to grow our faith. All right, through suffering and pain, God works his purposes. God uses it to get your attention, number one, to test your faith, number two, to grow your faith, number three. And number four, God uses it to form your character, to form your character. Turn over to Romans now. Romans chapter 5 Romans 5 Romans 5 and I want to read to you verses 3 through 5 Romans 5 3 through 5 the apostle Paul writing here not only that verse 3 but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance there's that word again, steadfastness. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So you see this progression of growth going on. Out of the suffering, we grow and we learn endurance and our character uh, is made. Uh, uh, we find hope in God's word and his promises and his love showers us and all that. So this is what God does. Overall, right, God's goal we know from Romans eight twenty nine is that we would grow into Christ's character, that we would be like Christ. Matter of fact, in Romans eight twenty nine it says we're predestined to that. This is God's plan. This is his work in us. This is sanctification making us godly. It's to be more like Christ. And how does that happen? Well, again, suffering does that. I don't like it, you guys. I hate suffering. I hate pain. I'm, I'm a baby at that. We were talking in the car yesterday, I think. I was hearing another husband is like me. You know, my wife, she'll maybe not feel good, but she just keeps going. Me, when I don't feel good, I'm out. I'm like a little baby. I, I want... I don't feel good. Give me some water, you know, and all all that, right? So uh, I don't like it, but it's through the suffering and pain God works his purposes. God uses it, one, to get your attention, to test your faith, to grow your faith, four, to form your character. Number five, God uses it to help you help others, to help you help others. Others. Turn to the right to 1 Corinthians now, chapter 1. Or no, 2 Corinthians, sorry. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verses 3 and 4. 
It says here, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. I think Paul just had fun writing this sentence down, right? Comfort, comfort, you know, God of comfort to comfort us so that we could be comforted and we can comfort those who then can be comforted by God. So you see what he's saying. We can go to God, receive help from God. We can be comforted by God and then we can give that comfort out to others going through a similar thing. We can relate, in other words. To receive that comfort is a blessing, but you know what? To be a blessing is even better. So the purpose, God's purpose, in your suffering is that you are being equipped to help others. I think about Christ, right? He went through suffering more than we can even imagine. But we know Hebrews tells us that he understands our suffering. He can relate. And so we have a Lord and Savior who understands that. So God helps us so we can help others. And let me say one more thing. You know, a reservoir, right? It holds the water. But God doesn't want us to just be a reservoir. He wants us to be a reservoir that has a channel that flows the water out. So not just spiritual reservoirs, but spiritual channels of God's comfort. All right, two more things. Through suffering and pain, God works His purpose. God uses it to get your attention, to test your faith, to grow your faith, to form your character, to help you help others. And number six, God uses pain and suffering. He uses it to bring you closer to Jesus. We already saw a little bit of that, but turn over to Jeremiah now. Jeremiah 29. We know verse 11, but I want to read to, through to verse uh, 13. Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then verse 12, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and, look at this, find me when you seek me with all your heart. And we could throw in verse 14, I will be found by you. Understand when, when the Lord is speaking to Israel at this time, they are heading into, if not already, in captivity, some of them. They're, they're under the Babylonian uh, a captivity, under the rule. Their, their nation is no more. Jerusalem has been destroyed. But God's saying, no worries, you guys. No worries. God has plans for you, a future and hope. You guys left me for idols, but you know what? You're going to seek me. And you know what? You're going to find me. So all the suffering and pain that you're going through, it's going to cause you to come closer to me, and you're going to find me. So God uses pain and suffering to bring you closer to Jesus. And, and isn't that what, what we do? When pain and suffering come, we go to God. We call out to Him. And, and the times that I've really been in a lot of painful situations, oh, that's when I grew. That's when I got really close to Jesus. It's sad, though, that we have to suffer to get to that point. But praise God. He still meets us there. Even though we fail maybe in seeking him, he still meets us here and reveals himself and he speaks his promises to us. Pastor Chuck said this, we don't always get to know God's reasons for the things that he permits, but we don't need to know why. We need to know Jesus. I love that. So through suffering and pain, God works his purposes. God uses it to get your attention, to test your faith, to grow your faith, to form your character, to help you help others, to bring you closer to Jesus. And finally, the last thing is this. God uses it to experience him in a greater 
way. Turn back to the New Testament now to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 now. And here, this will be the last set of scriptures we're turning to this morning. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10. Paul's talking about before this how he had uh, God. He talks in third person, but it was Paul who God gave him a vision of heaven. And with that, he, the, the, the Lord uh, gave him this thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that is. It, it, some say it was his eyesight. Some say it was problems in the church. Some uh, say maybe it was some other ailment or something. But basically above this verse, it says a messenger of Satan to harass me, uh, to keep me from becoming conceited and proud, to keep him humble. So he says here in verse 8 in 2 Corinthians 12, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. He prayed, God, take it away, that it should leave me. But he said to me, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content. He's accepted his weaknesses, the insults, the hardships, the persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Do you understand what he's saying? He's saying, you know what? I've accepted the suffering and pain. I, 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 this is not me because I, I cannot say this honestly. I'm Paul, you're a superhero, but I cannot say, therefore I boast the more gladly in my weakness. Yeah, I'm content. I like weakness. I like insults. I like hardships. I like persecutions. I like calamities and suffering and pain. I can't say that. But I understand what he's saying. He's saying because when those things happen, when he's under the suffering and pain and he feels so weak, you know what? He says, he finds the power of Christ resting on him. He experiences God's strength. He experiences God in a greater way more than ever he experienced before. That's why he says, when I'm weak, then I am strong. I see that we find in suffering and pain that we end up with more of a, well, I'll say it brings us to a total reliance on Jesus, doesn't it? Because in our suffering and pain and we're, we're trying to fix it, we can't. It's beyond our own control. It's beyond our own ability. And we need God, so we go to God. And when we do, when we do, we see His strength, His power, His healing, His work, His voice, His presence. And though we're weak, we can be strong. Philip. Philip Brooks said this, one of my favorite quotes from him. He said, do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. I love that. I mean, I want, take it away, take it away, take it away. But Philip Brooks said, no, pray for more strength that you get through it with Jesus. Well, as we close up here, why is there so much suffering and pain? Well, number one, because we live in a fallen world. And that generates, why doesn't God stop it? Well, there's still evil, suffering, and pain because it gives us a choice to, to show our faith, to show our love. Why is there so much suffering and pain? Because we live in a fallen world. And number two, because in it, God works His purpose. Listen, suffering, pain, trials, it never looks good on the outside, yeah, when it comes to you. It, it, it never looks good. But God's good purposes are working on the inside. There's an illustration that um, Fabian and Mona guys give some of the girls in Pearl Haven, and, and, and that is that sometimes someone might give you a gift, but it's in a paper bag. I was thinking, oh, I've done that. Like, <laughs> uh, like, for Kristen or, you know, Mother's Day, I'll, I'll go, like, buy flowers. But, you know, you're at Foodland, and I'll oh, buy chocolates and stuff. I'll put it in a bag, but I don't wrap it. I just, oh, here, you know, kind of thing, right? I know, it's not that great. But the outside, 
might look bad, but you know what? In the inside, there's some good chocolate in there, right? Well, well, that's it. Though the outside doesn't look good with the suffering and pain, what God's work and purpose on the inside is good. It's his, it's what his work. I'll close with this. Someone wrote, Lord, sometimes you have to break so you can rebuild, wound so you can heal. Let me walk in darkness so that I see your light. Lord, sometimes you have to let me be confused so I seek your truth. Let me feel emptiness so you can fill me. Let me feel lonely so I can see what a friend you are. Lord, sometimes you have to let me learn the hard thing so I can be a gentle teacher. Let me be void of feeling so I must walk by faith. Take away my future plans to teach me to live one day at a time. Show me the futility of life so I will see that everything is lost compared to the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I love that. Speaks to me. I hope it does to you. So let's hold to these things that we learn today when tragedy strikes a fallen world. Let's pray. God, as we close up here and move into a time of communion, Lord, we're learning. And... I'm not perfect in, all, in these things, Lord. But I want to learn and I want to grow. So help us all, Lord, to take these things that we've covered, to put it into practice, to put it into our faith, to trust you in them, God. To go to you, Lord, to draw closer, to be willing to grow through the times of suffering, to f- look for your strength when we're weak, to find you, Jesus, that you're right there with us in the middle of the storm. God, it, it, it can be overwhelming. And, and Lord, how many times have I even failed you, Lord? I didn't obey. I didn't hold on in faith. I didn't come to you. I ran away. But God, in your grace and your mercy, you still were faithful even when I was unfaithful. And so be faithful today, Lord, to us. With your love and grace, we're not perfect, but God, still come, still be there, still help us, Lord. Thank you that, that this is who you are, and this is the God we love, Lord. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.